Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Why does so much financial advice only apply to the wealthy? In a society where money is power, the rest of us need tools for taking control. And this person has all of the tools in finance for the people. Getting a grip on your finances. Let me welcome to the show, Paco De Leon. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. And, and of course, Dr. Reverend Starsky Wilson is here, Children's Defense Fund. Um, first, before we get into the book, Paco. So I was thinking, Ponce De Leon is Paco De Leon. Did your mother name you Paco? Oh, wow. Out of the gate with this one. No, that is not my government name. Paco is not my government name. It's a nickname that got wildly, wildly out of control. My best friend gave it to me when we were 14 in Spanish class. We thought it'd be funny to pick the name Paco. And um, my teacher actually told me I couldn't use that name because it's a boy's name. And if there's one way to get me to do anything, it's to tell me I can't do it. And now I've been called Paco more years than I haven't been called Paco. And, you know, that's it. I'm Paco to the world. Okay. And you have on a hat that says you're stoked. Which, Classic uh, Southern California. What can I say? Okay. All right. All right. So uh, I got all that out the way because I'm naturally curious about people. Uh, so you're from California, born and bred. Guilty. Okay. All right. So it's one of the richest uh, states in our union. And it also is a tale of two cities, I believe, a tale of two states where you have uh, wild, wild wealth and horrific poverty, people living in tents at the exact same yes. time. Yep. Talk about navigating that space and what was your journey into wealth that then put you in a position to tell us how to be rich? Well, I was a broke financial planner, so I had the cognitive dissonance of sitting in a very nice conference room in mid-city Los Angeles, where we would only take on clients who were making $400,000 a year or had a million dollars of investable assets. And I was riding my bike to work to save $40 a week on gas. And I was keeping a garden to save two bucks on lettuce at Trader Joe's. And I remember sitting there being like, wow, I'm sitting across the table from two Harvard grads really high up in the in the industry in Hollywood. And I kind of stumbled into that room. Right. I got into that room because of my own privilege. But it was crazy to me to realize that I had a finance degree. I had an economics minor. I'm in this position, yet I'm still broke. Right. It's not just about having the information at the end of the day. It's about largely who you know largely it's due to geography where you're ending up right if you're in a major city great awesome if you're not uh, you got to figure something else out you know what i mean and so i was just curious like why was i there why did, why was i getting this information and eventually over time what i realized was i bet a lot of people out there don't have access to this stuff and i feel so privileged that i have access to it and i just felt this overwhelming desire to share what i was learning and some of it's very practical, right? Save 20, 30% of everything you earn. And here's how compounding works. But what I learned is, you know, so much of dealing with money is a, it's a very emotional topic. 866-801-8255. I'll put the number out. Uh, Finance for the People is the book. Getting a grip on your finances. Of course, Dr. Uh, Reverend Starsky Wilson, we, we've talked a little bit about money because you're here on Thrive Thursday a lot. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really appreciate this kind of 
sharing of information, this sense of democratization, and there are different rules um, for for all of our folks and the need to get this out. Uh, but I'll tell you, I know some of your work you focus specifically on creatives. Um, I don't know if that's as much just because you're in LA, uh, but why are you speaking to, uh, why establish something called the Hell Yeah Group? Uh, I just want to say that on TV, it's the official name of your firm. Uh, why the Hell Yeah Group? Why a focus on creative specifically in this work? Honestly, I really didn't think the name out all the way through. I didn't think... <laughs> that people were going to have, you know, were going to either need to censor themselves when they were talking about me on TV or being ecstatic to say the word hell uh, on TV. So I really didn't think it all the way through. One day I was riding my bike and I was trying to figure out what I was going to be doing with my life. If I was going to, you know, go back to the traditional world of employment or if I was going to go all in and, and try to work for myself. And so the name I was just riding my bike one day and I was like, what if I just like leaned in hard was like, you know, wear a stoked hat to interviews and like was full Paco and the hell yeah group just popped into my brain. And I thought it was funny because the word group implies like this very serious, like kind of accounting style thing. But then you put hell yeah in front of it. And it's just it just made me laugh. And um, that's how I want people to feel. You know, I want them to feel stoked about their financial situation. I want them to say, hell yeah. Um, but I decided to serve creatives because I identify as a creative myself. I've been a lifelong musician. I've been playing in bands since I was 15 years old, um, all the way through now. And when you find yourself playing in bands, you find yourself meeting other bands and becoming friends with other bands. And so you're friends with musicians. And then once you're friends with musicians, now you're friends with painters. And then when you're friends with painters, now you're friends with film, you know, people who are trying to create films. And all of a sudden you look up one day and you're like, oh crap, I'm the only like quote unquote professional finance person in a room full of creative people. And so that was a really natural audience. That was a really natural demographic for me to serve because I'm just hanging out with those folks anyways. And I may as well, you know, I saw that they were being underserved and I wanted to, I wanted to help them. I wanted to help them before, you know, they sold NFTs that were worth a million dollars. I wanted to help them before they had, you know, gallery openings. I wanted to help them from the ground level up. Did you help yourself though? We're talking with Paco De Leon. So you, you gathered all of this information from these, uh, wealthy people that you were giving financial advice to did you take the advice that you were given and what did you do for yourself i mean definitely i tried to apply as much of it that i could at any given time in my life but the thing that i really realized i needed to do was i needed to figure out how to make more money and if i figured out how to make more money then that would make a lot of debt problems go away that would make a lot of the day-to-day -day stress go away. I would, wouldn't have to ride my bike everywhere or you know, keep a garden to save the $2 on lettuce. And yes, I eventually started a bookkeeping agency called Hell Yeah Bookkeeping, which serves production companies and different marketing agencies and you know, businesses in LA that call themselves creative, interior designers, things like that. And I was eventually able to build a business and go from, you know, how do I survive to, oh, I'm probably going to be able to th take things to the next level and learn how to thrive. And, you know, it's taken a lot. And, you know, I I've have had a lot of privilege along the way, especially just having access to the world of finance. But most certainly, I've uh, definitely put the mask on my own face first. Mm. There we go. So what's been the privilege? Because you've mentioned privilege a lot. What is your privilege? 
My parents paid for Catholic school for 13 years, so I've had access to education and I've learned how to navigate very white rooms because of that. Um, that is major privilege. The geography, right, growing up in Southern California, 20 miles south of a major city, Los Angeles. So when I needed to move out, I didn't need a plane ticket. And what was the worst thing that could happen? I moved 20 miles up, fall flat on my face and fail and then <laughs> move 20 miles down. So that's definitely privilege. Um, and I'm smart. I am smart enough to understand this. I'm smart enough to tolerate how boring it can be. And I'm good at translating it. And that is privilege in and of itself, for sure. All right. So let's translate some finance for the people getting a grip on your finances. Step one, Paco de Leon. Step one. Well, uh, you have to make the decision that you're you're going to commit to this. And you're going to take the action by showing yourself that you're ready to make this decision by opening up your calendar and finding 30 minutes every week that you can hold sacred. And we're going to call it your weekly finance time. And don't schedule any meetings, make yourself unavailable. And it's a way to show yourself that you're investing in yourself. And the very first thing you're going to do is you're just going to make sure you show up. And, you know, for a lot of people, they don't have their bank logins. They don't know how to get logged into their accounts. And so the first week, just wrangle up those bank logins and just put your eyeballs on there. And, you know, we don't need to do any major heavy lifting, but commit to showing up every week and the effort that you put into these small weekly finance times, they can begin to compound. Hmm. Uh, savings. Now, you said you didn't have any money. You're saving uh, building a garden so that you don't have to pay two dollars for lettuce. Uh, I think the biggest question people may have is how do I save if I'm not making enough to get through the week? Where do I find the savings? And you said you weren't making enough money. Do, do you recommend people take on additional jobs? Like what, what's your recommendation? I think you have to find what works for you. And for some people that is taking on an additional job that could be using some kind of platform that already exists that can bring you to the market. Right. And, that could look like an Upwork or that could look like a TaskRabbit um, or you could get a part-time job at a small business. Um, I, I love to just like get on a soapbox and, and preach entrepreneurship, but I realize that's not for everyone. There's a tremendous amount of risk involved. Not everybody has that appetite for risk. And I think that you have to be ready to not just be doing the work. You have to be ready to think about your work in a much more expansive way. You have to think about managing it as a process and selling it and communicating it. And that's exciting to me. I know that might be terrifying for some people, but for me, my own experience, entrepreneurship has been the way to, to take uh, income and really just take the cap off of it. And I don't want to say it's limitless, but there's a lot more potential when you're working for me for yourself than when you're working for somebody else. And if that is the equation, that is the thing that you're trying to solve for income. If that's, you know, what you're, what you're going towards, that is, I think, shortest distance between A and B. Mm. Hey, Baca, I wanted to ask, so I'm, you know, like a lot of uh, religious people um, looking at this season of Lent. Uh, so these 40 days where we practice renunciation, certain kind of disciplines. Uh, there's a practice you talk about um, um, of a buy list. Uh, could you talk a little bit about like what, if someone was wanted to take up this kind of practice uh, for a while, try it out uh, for 40 days, what is a buy list and what's the value in it? Certainly. Um, a buy list is just a list that you keep 
when, and when you want to buy something, it doesn't feel like you're the one making the decision, right? uh, For me, especially if I'm like scrolling on the gram and I feel like there's an ad there and the ad is like, buy this thing. I can feel myself being manipulated by the advertising. That's when I'll take that item and I'll put it onto my buy list. And I keep my buy list digital and I spend time organizing it. It's like a spreadsheet and the links are nice and they have categories. And like, I try to make my buy list cute. And the rationale between behind the buy list is that when you shop, you, when you do a lot of things that, you know, you get this dopamine rush, right? You get this dopamine response in your brain and it feels good. It's this desire drug that your brain floods with. And when you are anticipating doing something exciting, like hitting buy now or entering your credit card details to actually buy the thing, you get a dopamine rush from even just looking at the thing. So creating a buy list, telling yourself, okay, I'm going to buy this thing. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe in 30 days you can still get that rush of dopamine in your brain without actually having to impact your financial situation. And so the thing that makes the buy list work in in addition to getting that dopamine rush is you put up these like bumpers, like in a bowling alley, right? You you're protecting yourself from yourself and you're going to say, I will only buy things that have been on the buy list for 24 hours, or in this case with Lent 40 days, Um, and what you'll find, what I often find is I spend all this time putting things on my buy list, making it adorable. And then the next time I go to look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, that thing, I don't really care about it anymore. That I think that that is, you know, one of the things I'm so, so grateful for is that I didn't grow up in a social media era. Me too. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. I I mean, like being super young, like. I'm glad I'm not like in junior high and having yeah, social media because you know, the, the pressure and the, you know, there's so much pressure with kids you know, Starsky's just talking about having a, a 12 year old, a 14. I mean, these, you know, you have that core group in your house, Lord, God bless you. Um, because <laughs> the pressure, the pressure, you know, it's just different and the brain gets wired differently. I think yes. with all of the, the notifications and the things popping up on you and, and it's normal for them. So, you know, yeah. for me, I'm like, this is some bull crap. I don't even bring my phone into my bedroom. I'm not half the time. I don't know where my phone is. Somebody's like, I just called you. I was like, mm, oh, it'll be there unless somebody died. And if somebody died, it's nothing I can do about it. I can't bring them back. I don't have those powers yet. So they'll still be dead when I get my phone and, and y'all feel sad, sad for you. But, you know, we'll commiserate. But, um, you know, as I'm, I'm looking at the world that we're in, we were talking before you came in, Paco, a lot, uh, unfortunately, because, you know, something happened over over there, over there, uh, that's going to happen over here. It's going to impact us. We're already seeing rising gas prices. We know oil prices, the barrel oil is going up. We know there's probably going to be some supply chain issues. There were already those out of COVID. And now this um, inflation I know that the interest rates, we were just talking with Bruce, uh, Bruce Marks from NACA, housing prices are up and then the interest rates are going up. So they're at an all time, they were at an all time low for a period of time. Two things that should never happen. We don't get interest rates rising and housing prices rising, but we got that going on. Right. And yep. then the stock market waxing and waning. It was bloody, bloody, bloody the last couple of months. You know, some stuff was on sale. I jumped in and bought some things, but then my portfolio looks like it has been in a crime scene. I'm okay. I'm a dividend long-term investor, so I'm not stressing it. But I know that there's some people freaking out. And then crypto. 
dropped mm. and now Bitcoin's coming back. There's confusion in this marketplace. Make it make sense, Paco it's de Leon. It, it's an exciting ride, isn't it? No, no. If <laughs> if if you're a risk averse person, this is this is some anxiety written bullcrap. Yes, I. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it is a little fun to watch, and I don't. Oh, know so you're enjoying this? Well, it's painful. <laughs> it is painful to look at you know the jaggedy ups and downs when you want things to just go up nicely in your portfolio. Of course, that's what we want. It's been hard looking at how things have been rising over the last couple of years and to now face the reality of like, oh, we all knew that the music was going to stop or that it wasn't just going to go up, up and up. And now we're dealing with it. I mean, I think. So, so pause. So what you're saying is we had unrealistic um, expect or, or we were just delusional for the last because we've had a bull market for a long time, much longer than it could, you know, for 10 years. Right. That yes. we that you don't know what goes up must come down. My grandmother, you say every bird fly high must come down. That was her saying like, but she was saying, that, you know, people don't get on your high horse. Every bird fly high must come down. And uh, it was something she repeated. It was hilarious, but true. So you're saying yeah. we didn't we didn't obey the laws of physics. Well, I'm just saying that we the U.S. economy moves in cycles of booms and busts. And we need to accept that as the truth. That's just how it is. And when you accept that, then you realize that you can't let your highs get you too high or your lows get you too low. Of course, there are the fundamentals that one should abide by, right? Like your portfolio and your investments should be invested and the, the risk needs to be right size for whatever the money is for. There's that. But beyond that, there's everything else is outside of our control and, and we got to just enjoy the ride. Okay. Well, here's some good news. I, I read somewhere that bear markets usually only last about nine to 10 months, you know, so we we are in a bear market, but they don't tend to last years. We had a bull market, which is the market going up for a number of years. Um, you know, if all things are equal, maybe we will see our first bear market that may enter two or three years, maybe, but we got to suck well that up. And again, it's the natural cycle of the economies. Things go up and things go down, but the trend remains the same. Is even though it's going up and down, it looks jaggedy in the short term. In the long term, overall, the stock market just goes up, up, and up. And there are so many people whose livelihoods depend on it that you know, I it, it would be uh, it would be incredible if you know we didn't find ways to to try to you know keep that going up and up and up by mm. you know moving corporations in and out of the S&P 500 Ooh. or <laughs> so basically if the market crashes like it did in the 20s or even in the 80s or even in the early 2000s and things go haywire this time you're saying there's going to be an artificial way to keep it up because we too many people can't afford for it to crash crash I can't imagine well I don't know how they would artificially keep it up but I can't imagine there are just so many people whose livelihoods depend on this market. There are so many wealthy people, like the great majority of the folks who own stocks in the stock market or the assets in the stock market are the very wealthy. And then there's us just messing around with a few coins here and there in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I mean, it's possible this nobody's controlling the market in the grand sense, but I'm saying all this because I just watched a clip on social media of this partner in an investment firm in Russia. And he was saying 
he was being interviewed by this media person and she says like you know what does the future look like and he made this joke where he said he could always work as a santa claus the way he did 25 years ago and then he went and said like like may the stock market rest in peace and he had a drink and i just can't believe i'm seeing things like this one in my time and two i have to believe that it's a stunt because that's just so insane that somebody would go on there on television as a financial professional and, and say that so i'm a little taken aback and like i said I, I i kind of have to detach from it and and let myself be entertained uh, otherwise i i don't know i'm gonna have to relearn fundamentals that don't exist yet i'm not sure I'm not helping anyone, I think. No, no, no you're helping. I, and I like I like your style. Paco de Leon, the book is Finance for the People, Getting a Grip on Your Finances. And she's got a business which will help you with your books and stuff called the Hell Yeah Group. And you can go to the Hell Yeah, Y-E-A-H group dot com and check that out. What are you investing in right now? Uh, well, I mostly have... Most of my stuff is, is just in ETFs. Um, I use a platform called Betterment. I started using Betterment like back when it first started, like just after 2010. And that's when I was working as a financial planner and that platform came out and I was like, oh, I don't think they're going to, like as many people are going to need financial planners. This seems like it's going to be really accessible. The fees are going to be low and we're just going to let like a computer do all the calculations, which it can handle much better than a bunch of human brains sitting there looking at Excel. So I started messing around with Betterment. There's no, there was no minimum. And so the great majority of my stuff is there. Um, I've also, there's been a few times where I just like buy some stuff in a Fidelity brokerage account and then I always lose money. And it's always a good reminder. Like you don't know what you're doing. Stick with the algorithm. (laughs) Exactly. That was cute. How you tried step away and uh, you know, let, let the algorithm do it. Um, There are, there are, there are also some alternatives that I'm messing around with, like definitely crypto and um, a couple of platforms. There's this platform called Masterworks, and it allows you to buy like a fraction of a piece of art. And that has been intriguing to me. So you could buy like, you know, a one five hundredth of a Picasso or something like that. That's I don't know, messing around with that. And then there's another alternative that I've been messing around with called Fundrise. And it's basically like a, a real estate plat- portfolio where folks who may not necessarily have a cool 250K to put towards a down payment and buy real estate, they can still get exposure to the real estate market by putting, you know, a thousand bucks into Fundrise. Um, those are really the things I'm messing with. And then the other one is Aspiration, which a lot of folks like because they have both a bank and a fund. And you can make sure with those funds, all the investment all of the investment options are like socially responsible options. So I think the bank does things like, I don't know, they plant trees when you spend money or something crazy like that. Dope. Uh, I I like the energy here. And I think, you know, moving forward, I'm, you're no longer a financial planner. You just said people don't really need a financial planner because they're, they're things like Betterment, which I also have some coin in myself, uh, make it easy. They just make it so much easier and you don't have to worry about things. I love bonds right now because the interest rates are going up and for people, treasury bonds are amazing. Uh, right. I think my treasury bonds are now at 7%, which I haven't seen those numbers since the eighties. So I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, it's much better than a savings account. Shout out to, but then they limit how much you can get. Right. So that's the the trick on that. 
you can um, also get bond exposure from Betterment. They do have a bond portfolio as well they? that I yeah. So okay. I mess with the bonds over there as well. And that way you're getting, you know, you're you're getting an exposure to a bunch of different bonds in one ETF. Ah, ETFs are, are dope because it doesn't allow you don't have to think because all your favorites are in there. <laughs> yep. and, I mean, it's, it's like just, a grab bag. Yeah. And we should we should just be invested. So you recommend that people get invested even during these volatile times, Paco? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when when if you could get it on the cheap, why not? It'll, you know. <laughs> OK. All right. Listen, um, I wish you much success unless you have one more thing, uh, doc, Dr. Starsky Wilson. No, this is I mean, helpful, especially I was going to ask about these times as well. Um, but this, you know, the, it's good to know that the old rule that, you know, buy low, sell high. It's a tough time. It's if we can get in cheap. This is the way to do it. This uh, I want to say, duh. But, you know, it's like here we are. It's like, duh. It's like right. the things the things that we were taught still apply. Nothing. You know. Yeah. So listen, Finance for the People is the book, Getting a Grip on Your Finances. And uh, she is Paco De Leon. I think you should come back. Come back. I'd love you, to come back. Come back. Sure. We were stoked to have you, too, just as you were stoked to be here. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.